Thank you for listening to the Power Shift Mindset. We'll be discussing techniques, concepts, and strategies to help you achieve the success and happiness you're looking for. Hey guys, it's Coach Jay. Today, Shruti and I talk about why we as coaches in general love to coach. We talk about our passion and our drive to help other people, and then we go into individually why we enjoy coaching. Hey, Coach Jay here. I'd like to mention Simon Says Farms. That's S-Y-M-A-N Says Farms, one of our sponsors. Family-owned farm in Salem, Connecticut that produces a lot of all-natural products. On the farm, they produce goat milk lotions and soaps. They also have a variety of swanky sauce, a honey habanero barbecue sauce and marinade. With everything going on in the world due to the pandemic, let's support some of our local family-owned businesses. Simon Says Farms will ship their products throughout the country. Check out the link in the show description and see their full line of products. SimonSaysFarms.com. That's S-Y-M-A-N SaysFarms.com. Hey guys, it's Coach Jay and I'm here again with Shruti. And today we're talking about why we coach in general. Why do coaches enjoy coaching? Uh, Why we do this as a passion of ours? And then we'll each talk about individually what we do outside of the podcast. So Shruti, why do you feel that coaches in general coach? It's not for the money. I know that. No, it's definitely not for the money. I think it's because they feel called to do it or they feel that it's a part of their purpose. And I think that's something, maybe some people decide on it early on that they want to coach. And then I think there are some people where it kind of is your calling, if that makes sense. What about you? Why do you think people coach and why did you decide to coach? I think in coaching and and teaching, I know I'm not going to take away from the education that a teacher and an educator goes through to get to their position where, and in coaching situations, sometimes it's just a volunteer youth baseball coach. That's just the dad that volunteered. And and then other times there are certificates and education that need to go into it. But I think in a lot of cases, like for me, I love the sport. My first opportunity to coach was the high school soccer team. And I came back as a former player and the assistant coach at the time was just a teacher that filled the role because no one was there and they needed two people in those positions. And coach B said, Hey, would you like to help? We can't really pay you. But, and I just got thrown into it and fell in love with it immediately. And it was just, I mean, that, and we've all heard that phrase, love at first sight, but it was kind of one of those type of things. I got put into that coaching role and it just hit me and I was on that field on two different fields at the baseball and the soccer team for 15 years. It just became a passion. So in a way that it was called to you because you love sports, but then you were given the opportunity to coach. So in a way it was your calling. Oh yeah. I definitely feel that I should be in a, a coaching mentoring role of, of some sort. I mean, I, I absolutely love doing it. And, and it comes up on Facebook the, the, the day I resigned from, from coaching uh, I, like I said, I was on the field with Coach B for 20 years. Uh, I played soccer and baseball for him. I coached with him. He had to step down for family and uh, personal reasons. And the last couple of years with, with a couple other coaches, one who I had a great time coaching with, but it wasn't the same feeling. You got to f- figure me and another coach the same way of coaching for 20 years. I mean, we, we evolved as we went along, but then another guy comes in and again, good connection. We worked well together, but it just felt different. And then 
he stepped down because he was really only doing it as a place filler until Coach B could come back. But once we knew that wasn't going to happen. And I remember writing three different, I mean, resignation letters, <clears throat> excuse me, one to the principal and the athletic director, which was the most formal um, one that I put out on Facebook for the parents of my athletes to see. And then uh, one that went out to the, the soccer coaches in the association who we were really close. Um, the baseball coaches worked well together, but that soccer, that bunch of soccer coaches were family. And it chokes me up every time because I knew I, at the point I was on, I either called it the three-year plan or the five-year plan. I knew I would step down either at the end of my son's <clears throat> elementary school or middle school. Cause I wanted to be a dad and see him play. I, I, I remember asking coach B and if your daughters played sports in high school, would things have been different? He said, yeah, family's got to come first. And his daughters didn't play. Had they been athletes, he might've stepped down years before that. And that was the mentality that I had. I was probably only going to be there for another two or three years. So if anything, I, I stepped down about two years early um, because I wanted to be a dad. And in that case, I went and coached my kids in the youth leagues and did other things, but it, I absolutely love it. And not to keep dragging on, but when I stepped down, there was a part of me that was missing and then when Chuck stepped down from the Joad program, the archery program that I now run, it, that Coach J was back. I mean, that name came from, I didn't want him to call me Coach Simon. It just made me feel older. I mean, I was still <laughs> young. I was only in my, my 20s at the time and, or, or just, just about 30. And no, no, it's Coach J, not Coach Simon, Coach J. So that name's been there for I mean, 15, 20 years now. Um, so when, when all of a sudden I took over the archery program, I really got that feeling that coach Jay was back as much as I was doing it with the youth sports, but to have a team again, it just, it felt good. So you felt really connected with coaching and with teaching and with the sports aspect. What do you love about coaching? Like, what is it that you truly love about it? Seeing the success of the people I'm working with. Um, that's definitely one of them. Um, when I've had athletes come up to me, I mean, I had one, one kid, um, we, we call, we call them lucky, which was a nickname from his, uh, he, he was Jamaican. His name was Lakishi. And, uh, so his nickname was lucky and great soccer player skill wise, but just couldn't remember any of the plays. So we gave him a spot called the lucky spot. It was the lucky spot because it was lucky spot. You stand right in front of the keeper on corner kicks, but it was also the lucky spot because whoever took that role in the following years, you were the lucky one to get the rebounds that the keeper couldn't hold on to and had a nice easy goal. So that spot was called the lucky spot for 10, 15 years. But I remember he ended up transferring after his sophomore year, but about halfway through sophomore year, someone commented on how he'd gotten better. And he's like, oh, that's because Coach Jay was doing this with me and working with me. And it's like, it was the first time that I really recognized being given credit for what I was doing. No, I just saw you light up when you were talking about it. That's awesome. I think it is that moment where you get through to someone in them recognizing their own potential, you know? And I think that's very rewarding because as coaches, I mean, as at least for me too, as a coach, like I know that the answers are already inside of my client. They're just looking for some guidance, but everything that they want to know and have already is inside of them. 
And when I was a teenager, I remember I'd gone for this group flower reading and I wrote about it in my book. It was like a group psychic new age type of reading and you brought this flower, like everyone brought their flower and this guy would read your energy. And it was a room full of people and he picked up my flower. He's like, does anyone want to claim like uh, whose flower this is? And I didn't say anything because like you had, you could say your name or you didn't have to. And he started reading my energy like so accurately. And then one thing that stuck with me and I still wish I had this recording. He said, you're going to help people reach the potential they never knew that they had. And I had no idea what that meant at that time. Cause I was like, I'm like 15. I don't even know myself. Like, what is this guy talking about? But I loved helping people always. That was like always um, something I enjoyed doing as a kid, as a teenager. And then when I started studying about the mindset and NLP and hyp hypnosis, it all made sense. Cause NLP work is all about the client reaching their own potential and them digging deep inside of themselves, learning about themselves, what each challenge has taught them, each negative emotion has taught them, and overcoming that and transforming themselves. So I, that was like a light bulb moment for me. So I was like, wow, this is, I never knew that I was going to do this because that came to me. Like I always wanted to coach. I'm an acting coach. But that opportunity came to me and I was like, okay, I have to do this because I'm being called to it. There's some reason this is happening. So I've noticed a shift with my clients when they come to me after they're like, oh, I started manifesting more. I started setting out my intentions and it just comes effortlessly now. And like, I think it's because they just had to learn about themselves and transform their mindset by the negative emotions we all have, which is anger, sadness, guilt, um, fear, hurt, and just what the positives are out of those negatives. So what you learned about yourself, because we're constantly learning, right? So if we take that moment and really learn about ourselves, we can transform our lives. Again, it's not me, it's me being, I always tell people I'm, let's say you're driving, right? I am sitting in the front seat with you, I'm your passenger and I'm reading you the GPS, but you're the driver, you're in control of your life. You're in control of the car. So that's how I always describe it to people. I'm like, I'm just reading you the GPS, but you're in control. Yeah, coaching <laughs> in a lot of cases is just given you that that map with the GPS, like you said. Mm -hmm. uh, I, have, I have a quick quote here. I was trying to find it online. I coach because of the kids and the passion I have for the sport itself. There's no other feeling quite like helping young athletes further development, their natural persistence, determination, discipline, dedication, resiliency, work ethic, heart, leadership skills, connection with and respect for others, not only in competition, but in life. And that's a quote that I share all the time in terms of coaching and, and why I do it. Um, you mentioned, like you said, the map and the GPS. And I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about coaching. And I, I've mentioned a few on here. There's a, a great TED talk. If you search up, everyone needs a coach. And it's a doctor talking about how he had another doctor watch him in surgery to see what he was doing wrong. 
And you go to school, you study medicine, and then you go and practice medicine. You go to school, you study law, and then you go and practice law. That's it. You study it, you get your piece of paper, and you go out in the work world and do it. Where professional athletes, the best of the best, have a coach with them throughout their entire career. And like I said, when you talk health and fitness, there's no information that the coach is going to give you that you can't find on Google. And we don't know anything more. No one's coming up with new science on the fly every second of their life. And all the information is out there. The coach is someone to guide you, to be that map, to, to help you uh, just stay on track, to have that consistency. And that, that's a, a, a big deal. I mean, the, the accountability aspect. I mean, if you know you have a test on Friday, you're going to study. If there's no test, you might not open your book. It's that type of thing where having a coach and, and I've been on both sides where I have the coaches that have pushed me and I've had the athletes come back to me and, and thank me and still have the connection with me five, 10, 15 years later uh, because of the impact I had on them. Yeah. I, I also think that we're so much more than just, you know, like our physical body and yeah, we have our mind, but we also have our consciousness and, I feel that people sometimes, maybe it's like a deeper spiritual perspective, but I think that people forget that whatever you believe in, whether it's God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, that part is in us. That part is a part of us. We're not separate from it. And I think that's, at least in my coaching, that's what we guide people to remember is that they're higher level of consciousness is beyond their physical beyond their mind there's also like a higher self of you so when you're doing um sports or whatever it is you're doing in your life that part of you is aligned with you if you allow it to be so think about let's say you get a new idea for I don't know, whatever you're creating, maybe you get an idea for a new workout or just a new like story idea. Where did that come from? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like you're like, oh, I want to plan this. There's something a part of you when an idea comes to you, whatever it is, that's from your higher self. And that's not separate from you. And that's what I'm trying to say is that you are more than just a mind and a body. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more inside of you that I think sometimes people forget. Let me put it that way. I think people forget that part of themselves. Yeah. I mean, I have that uh, kind of on my, on my website uh, somewhere in there. It's, there's a description where it mentions, I'm not here to give you all the answers. We're going to work together and I'm going to help guide you with the tools you have. And, and that's the thing. I mean, everyone has something in them that they can do. And you just need that coach or that mentor, someone to, to guide you through. And I mean, I, I saw we had a, a soccer player that first year that I coached. He was a forward for three years, but wasn't really productive. Didn't score many goals. And I said to coach him, like, hey, why don't we make John a center back? He's a big body. We can use him back there. He knows the game. I mean, he probably should have been, I mean, all league or all state as a center back because he was phenomenal. Now he doesn't show up in the scorecard because 
there's no stats for defenders. I mean, no stats that coaches don't see in the paper. All you see is who scored the goal, who assisted on the goal, but he was a very important piece to that team in a position that he never played before. He just needed that guidance to say, you know what, maybe this isn't the role for you. Let's put you over here. And you see that all the time. There's, there's a, a great video. If you're a baseball fan, Ricky and Kaylee was a pitcher who just, didn't really make it as a pitcher. And someone said, you know what, let's try him in the outfield. He's an athlete. And from I mean, almost 400 feet away, he throws a strike on the fly to the plate as an outfielder. He got a standing ovation for doing nothing. He literally just threw the plate, the ball to the plate. The catcher caught it at chest height and he got a standing ovation for simply just throwing it because he had the arm strength because he was a pitcher. So someone could have just said, you know what, he's done. Let's get rid of him. But a coach somewhere said, you know what? I see something else in him. Let's try him somewhere else. And now he had a career as an outfielder. And there's there's, uh, uh, another pitcher that was a knuckleballer and played with Boston. And and he he was, I think, a middle infielder coming up through the minors and wasn't going to make it. And a coach just saw him fooling around, throwing this knuckleball in warmups. And next thing you know, he's a major league pitcher as a knuckleballer because someone saw something that wasn't really what you were working on, but they said, wait a minute, we can use this skill somewhere else. And now that coach develops that and finds something else in you. Yeah. I think that sometimes you as an outsider also recognize someone's potential that maybe they're not fully seeing because, you know, we're all our own worst critic or we just don't see our talents and gifts the same way that you would see it from an outsider perspective. And I'm sure that's been true for you too. Like, I'm sure that somebody said to you, hey, Jay, you're really good at this. And you're like, what? I I never thought about this. Has that ever happened to you? Or someone's pointed something out about you that you maybe didn't recognize that you had that talent for and then you could utilize it. Yeah, I mean, in general, people point point things out. I and mean, that's one thing I can say about me is I, I definitely have a well-rounded personality. I mean, because like I said, I use the example of my athlete friends and my music friends. And in most cases, those two groups don't overlap. There, there's a couple that do both. Um, but then I can be talking about and whatever with my musician friends. And actually a guy I've been working with for in four years now or so, we were in the break room and I had an archery video on and I made a comment. He's like, oh, you do that? It's like the photos are hanging above my toolbox, but he doesn't work on that side of the shop. He works on the back side of my toolbox and never really probably noticed it. But it's like for four years, he didn't realize that that's something I do. Or I'll mention kayaking like, wow, you do that too? Or or the backpacking or whatever. So there's so many things that, that I've covered, but people have pointed out and the connection. I mean, you said you saw it when we were just talking before about how you can see me light up when I was talking about the connection. Um, I had a friend that I'd mentioned I was doing personal training with and halfway through it, she looked at me, she goes, you love this, don't you? And when I'm in that role, I mean, it's, it's very visible that it's, it's where I'm supposed to be. And eventually I'll be there full time. Yeah. And I think I'm sure you feel it too. In that moment, you feel this light go off or you just feel fulfilled and right. Like something just feels right in your heart, in your spirit. And I feel the same way when I, when I coach short, sure, and like, even with the acting coaching, I, 
I love it because I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, people tell me, I had one friend tell me, she's like, I'm so afraid to be in front of the camera. And she's like, you know, I could be talking to you right now, but like, if you put a camera here, I'll get nervous. And I was like, we just have to, it's you being in your head. When you are just present, if I put a camera in front of you right now and you had no idea, that would just be you being you. But because you know that there's a camera, then you suddenly get in your head and then you're disconnected from the rest of yourself because you're just thinking there's a camera in front of you. So I coach people to kind of um, act as if there is no camera in front of them and connect with themselves from their heart because that's when you are the best version of yourself is when you are connected to your heart center. When you're here, like when you're doing the coaching, you are connected to your heart center because it's true and authentic to you. You don't have to try anything. You know what I mean? Quote unquote, try anything because you are just in your element. You are present and just flowing. And you probably feel uplifted too after a session because you are giving. So it's all these, I mean, that's why I love it is just seeing people. So when they connect to themselves, to me, that feels good because I'm like, ugh, like it's always there. And just to see that is just a beautiful thing. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the, the comfort with the, like having a camera, if there's no camera on you, you're going to be yourself. If the camera's on you, you're going to tense up a little. And yeah. that kind of goes back to last week's show with the difference between confidence and comfort. Um, they, they just had a, a big archery tournament out in uh, Yankton, South Dakota. Uh, it was a replacement for another one that canceled because of COVID. And uh, I'm actually going to put a shout out uh, Dewey Hathaway, who we had on when Paige was on. He actually won first place there. Uh, so let's say congratulations to Dewey for that. But uh, one of the guys that does a podcast and covers a lot of the archery events, who's done many audio podcasts, many video podcasts, he actually ran an experiment because all the pros, most of the pros shot a notch below where they would normally shot. Like Paige actually hit her arm and hit an eight. She probably hasn't hit an eight on a target in 10 years. Um, but everyone was nervous because they haven't been shooting because of COVID. I mean, if you looked at all the scores, they were all dropping points. She still got third place. Um, but he put heart monitors on uh, a few of the pro archers that agreed to run this experiment. And you watched them at before their first shot for score, the rate at the break, and then the rate at the end. And he put one on himself. And he said, right before the podcast, his heart rate was, I forget where he said it was somewhere around 80 something. And, and then as soon as he started rolling to record, it jumped up 10 beats per minute. He's done this many times. It's not like he was out of his comfort zone or not confident in what he was doing, but just that little bit of, oh my God, time to perform. It put it in there. And that's where, I mean, you talk about a lot of the concentration coaches uh, are sports and target shooting, archery, you hear like Olympic rifle and pistol shooting. They learn how to slow their heart down. So not only is there, like you said, that you have the physical aspect of coaching, the mental game, and we've discussed that is big in anything and being able to get up there. And there's the whole thing. Even my son was talking about it during a school concert. They have the light on the stage, but no light in the crowd. So the kids can't see the crowd. So they're not realize how many people are staring at them. And I just picture your audience naked and the whole thing that you've always heard before, but the mental game and being able to control those emotions 
it is a big part of coaching. Yeah. And well, definitely, like you said, the mental game and, you know, being in a room full of people. But I think that's also when we are connected. And I think that's why people do like a form of meditation, so to speak, is so they're out of their head and they're just present when they're giving a speech or when they're playing a game. There's this one exercise I learned, which I find it very helpful. And it is challenging in the beginning because you're not used to it. You might get like a little uneasy. It's a focus exercise. And what you do is you put your timer on your phone first, like two minutes and 30 seconds. You say this little mantra, you say, dear chatterbox, I know you love me, but right now I just want you to shut up. And then you focus on one spot on the wall. You can pick like a a spot on a painting, just one spot. And for two minutes and 30 seconds, you just stare at that one spot. And they've done it with kids who have ADHD. They've done it. They've done these experiments and they said that it's actually helped their focus throughout the day. So when they go, instead of taking like the, you know, the medication for it, which you can do too, which, you know, whatever. But that is the best natural type of exercise you can do to for focus, to just get calm, to get relaxed in your body, in your mind. It's like a whole mind, body, soul thing because you're just looking at a spot for two minutes. And I notice when I've done it, when I go to a meeting afterwards, I, I can tell that I'm more, way more present, way more relaxed. And I've talked to other people about it too. They're like, oh, it's really hard in the beginning to do it, but it actually helps. So if you can make that a practice, even three days a week, you will notice the shift in your concentration and how relaxed you feel. Yeah, the, the mental training is a big thing. And like you said, just doing doing drills like that. Um, I know I watched the video on Brady Ellison. He's number one in the world shooting recurve. He went down to Texas to mental management and did training there. I mean, he's already the best and was still going for more training. And working the mental game is just as important. And I mean, I use it for, for athletes. I mean, you strike out with two outs and now your, your team doesn't score that run. And then you go to second base and the first ball pitch is hit at you, but you're still worried about your strikeout. That ball is going through your legs because you're not mentally ready to brush that off and realize you got to get your head back in the game or you, or I'm working with my son, you shoot that first bad arrow. If you're worried about that bad arrow, guess what? The next one's going to be bad too. And you, you got to be able to work that mental game just as much as the physical game. I don't care how strong you are at the gym, how fast you can run on the track and how far you can kick the ball or throw the ball. If you don't work the mental game and, and there's coaches that can help you with that. And it's a big part of whatever you do. And, and I, I use the word game and going back to when I started coaching, I mean, we all see the, the four or five major sports on TV, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer, that type of stuff. But when you look at all the Olympic sports, there's coaches for luge and bobsled and archery and this and that coaches for theater and acting and voice and, and music. And again, that term of teacher or instructor or mentor or coach in a lot of cases are interchangeable, but there's coaching in all different forms. And yeah. How, how would you describe, give us a little background on, on the different layers of what you coach. Cause I know you're involved in multiple things and, and what do you do in, in each of those and in, in your coaching and where can people find you? 
Sure. Uh, so what I do is help people. Most people that come to me, there's two sides. There's something called the cause side and the effect side. So the cause side is when you are taking accountability. You're like, okay, what can I do today to get closer to that fitness goal? What should I eat today to get closer to that fitness goal? Whatever you're asking yourself questions. Whereas people on the effect side is like, oh, well, I have no time. The kids are doing this or my husband did this today or like, I'm just having a bad day. This is going wrong, this is going wrong. And complaining a lot, which we all do, I get it. Uh, but most of the time people that come to me, 99.9% are on the effect side because people, and then we take them on the side to be on the cause side. So when they leave and they've gotten their sessions, you know, we remove the negative emotions, like I said, and they do a lot of writing, which that's very healing. It clears out a lot that's in your unconscious mind. I would say that is probably 85% of what is going to transform your life is the writing. And I can say that because I've done it and I know people that have done it and it will change your life. So, and this is like free writing, like in your journal. And by the time that they are done with their sessions, they're in a completely different mindset and they're taking action. That's the thing. It's like the mental game. And the biggest thing, as cliche as it sounds, and this is, this is huge, is the reason you see other people achieving their dreams and their goals is because they're taking action. They have the mindset, but they're also taking physical action. Everything starts in the mind first, but then it's what you do to execute it. That's up to you. That's in your free will. And if you ever think, oh, why isn't this happening for me? And why is it happening for that person? It's because A, they have transformed their mindset and B, they are taking action, consistent action. And that's what I love to do is to help people get to that point because they just have to make the choice. Now, is that part of the NLP or is that something separate? No, it's part of the NLP. And where can people find you for your services if they think you can help them? Uh, people can find me on Instagram right now. I'm working on my website landing page. So you can reach me at S-H-R-U-T-I-S-A-D-A-N-A. Now, Jay, tell us about what people can expect when they come to you for a session. What is it that you help them? Like if I was to come to you for a coaching session, what would you? Like I said, my, mindset's a big thing uh, across the board, whether you're coming to me for personal training, uh, for physical fitness, whether you're coming to me for archery or life coaching in general, the mindset is a big thing. Um, you, you have to be ready to move forward. Like you mentioned, you have the people that come up with the idea, but then stop there. Other people's come up with the idea and then make it happen. Um, we all make time for what's important to us. And yeah. I was trying to schedule something with someone recently and they said, Oh, it'd be so much easier if our schedule lined up. Well, our schedule would line up if it was important enough for you to make it happen. It, it's simple as that. Uh, yes, schedules can be difficult to line up, but we always make time for what's important for us. So those people that are doers, they've said, you know what, this is important 
to me, I'm going to go in and do it. And having that mindset of, and like with the physical fitness, I, I have someone else that I'm working with where, and she's, she doesn't like the way she looks. She doesn't like her body. She wants to change her body, this and that. And I said, no, you got to do this because you do like your body and you want to take care of it. It's got to be the mindset of, I like who I am. I want to take care of who I am. Not, I don't like who I am. I want to change it. And the change will happen because you're taking care of it, but you have to have the mindset of I'm doing this because I care for myself. Don't make, and if, if we all, as a coach, as a sports coach, all right, we had too many offsides. Guess what? You're running a lap for each offside. So now the kids are running 12 laps instead of four for warmups and it becomes a form of punishment. You don't want them to do push-ups as punishment or and running as punishment. I mean, it's part of, the training and just the conditioning work, but you don't want it to be looked at as punishment all the time. And same thing with you try to get your kid to read. That's it. No more video games and go pick up a book. If they look at it as punishment, they're not going to enjoy it. So same thing. I try to get your mindset set that you're working on yourself because you like who you are and you just want to make it better. Not you don't like who you are and you want to change who you are. You are who you are. I mean, there's going to be aspects that change if maybe if you're in a bit of a drinker and you want to back that off, obviously that's a change. Or if you're smoking and you want to quit smoking, that's a change. But it's not changing who you are as a person. It's going to change elements to make everything better. And the, the mindset aspect is a big thing. And then, like I said, going on the on the, the sports side, if it's private archery lessons, if you're looking to be a competitive archer, we were going to work on that mental game and how how do you black out that? bad shot and prepare for the next shot or we had a bad tournament last week how do you turn it around so you can get into the next tournament and not reflect on the bad one and so the, the mental game is definitely a big part of it no i love that i think that's so 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 important in terms of making the transformation that you want in your life is like you said starts in the mind and also liking who you are like before you make that change of, okay, I want more abs because that'll make me feel better about myself. But really, if you don't, that's just an external thing. Sure, it might make you feel good about yourself temporarily, but if you really don't dig deeper inside of, you know what, I love myself for who I am, just sitting here, being me, the spirit, the soul, this body that I'm in, and I just want to feel good. I think it comes down to that too, is like how you want to feel um, in your mind. I want to feel excited. I want to feel passionate. I want to feel hot, whatever it is. That's, I think going with a feeling will then make it um, you more determined to get that goal too. You know, like, oh, I want to feel hot. Okay, now I want to work out. I want to feel excited. This makes me feel excited. And then it won't be temporary. It'll be a consistent thing. Right. Def definitely having that sustainability is big. I mean, you and I were discussing an, an upcoming show is we're going to talk about balance. And yes. like you said, you, you mentioned the abs or, or looking hot and you can do what you want in the gym and abs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym. It's more your diet than it is what you do in the gym, but you get there and that there it is. You hit your goal on that day. You have the perfect body fat percentage, the abs, you like what you look like, but the sustainability of staying there 
it's, it's not easy. And what type of balance do you have? Now your buddies want to go out to the bar and watch the game and you can't have wings or have a drink or do this. So what is the quality of life at that point? What is, you got to make sure everything is balanced and don't get me wrong. Some people can hold a nice balance at that 10 to 15% body fat where other people need to be in 25% body fat to, to maintain what they're comfortable with. But that, that balance is, is a big thing. And I mean, again, having a coach that can guide you through that and, and have you look at yourself as I like who I am. I want to take care of it more than I don't like who I am. Let's make a change is a big thing. Yes. So uh, Jay, what's one tip that you would like to give to everybody before we close this off? Definitely the, the mindset of looking at yourself and making change based on taking care of yourself, not changing you because you don't like what's there. Find, find the, the good component of what you like about yourself and then try to make the adjustments of the other ones to bring it in. Don't, you're not going to change who you are and your body, your size, your education level, the amount of money you make doesn't change you as a person. Just focus on, on who you are and take care of yourself because you like who you are. Don't change yourself because you don't like who you are. And it, and it is a mindset you have. And a lot of times you do need that outside coaching. Yeah, no, that's a great tip. I love that. Uh, I would say that, you know, any situation you're in right now that might be challenging for you, I just want you to ask yourself, what am I learning about myself through this experience? And it will change your perspective. Sounds good. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And and if you like what you hear on Shruti services that she offers, you can find her on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Shruti Sadana. Uh, proper spelling is in the notes. When you go and like our, our show, you can see it right there. And then on mine, you can find me at beammotivation.com. Thanks again. And we'll see you next week. Hey there, it's Coach Jay from the Power Shift Mindset Podcast. As we cover topics on the podcast that cover all aspects of health, I wanted to tell you more about my personal coaching page, BeMotivation.com. With over 20 years of coaching, I'm proud to now offer personal training. This includes personalized workout programs with video call check-ins weekly. And if you're in Central Connecticut, I can travel to you for one-on-one training. As an ISSA certified personal trainer who absolutely loves coaching, I'll help you achieve your physical health goals. Please check out beammotivation.com. Hey guys, Coach Jay here. And as you've heard on the podcast, Shruti and I have multiple projects that we're working on. And I'd like to mention one of Shruti's other projects, Hey Beauty Mag. Discover how to reset and rejuvenate your mind to live the best life with women who are no longer afraid to share their failures that lead to success. Check them out on Instagram at HeyBeautyMag, that's H-E-Y-B-E-A-U-T-I-M-A-G, or check them out at HeyBeautyMag.com. Shift Mindset Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. 
While the suggestions, strategies, and practices we have given have been proven successful for our personal use as well as clients we have worked with, these recommendations should not supersede instructions given by any licensed professionals, including but not limited to your primary care physician and mental health professionals. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for the PowerShift Mindset Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at The PowerShift Mindset and also visit thepowershiftmindset.com. Thanks again for listening to The PowerShift Mindset.